Hey, welcome back to the Horse Couch Podcast. It's 2021. Welcome back, cool cats and kittens. Oh my God. I'm your resident nerd, Colin. <laughs> and I'm your resident dork, Will. And we hope you enjoy this new episode in a new year. Ba, 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 ba. Hey guys, we're glad you came around. Listen to this cool new thing we found. A couple weird facts or a movie review. Or the odd existential question or two. We don't know what we're doing. Like is great, and if not, well, bye. If you haven't heard us yet, then just give us a try. Whoa, we're just hanging out, shooting off at the mouth. We're coming to you live, live from the orange couch. Should I move to the orange couch? No, I think I should. No, just is it gonna mess us up? But like. We're coming to you live from the Orange Couch, Colin. Okay, well, the Orange Couch is fine. We're at the Orange Couch. <laughs> I'm moving to the Orange Hi Couch. Hi, guys. We're not dead. Uh, yeah, we're just back from our hiatus that we really Big desperately, hiatus. desperately needed. And by we, I mean me. And I'm going to try to be a new person and not give an explanation why. No, no, no. I've already set the timer to a minute and 15 seconds so that you can gripe as much as you need about how shady I've been. And oh. your time starts... Now. Okay, so Christmas, we came over. I came over to Will's house because literally we have not recorded since November. You're not even going to talk about my illness? Oh, shit. No. What illness? Anyway. One minute and so three seconds. We were going to record our an episode because I was like, dude, we have literally not recorded since like Halloween. So I kept trying to record, kept trying to record, and Will just can't stay away from folks that are exposed to COVID. So Will gets like exposed like every week and has to wait another two weeks so we finally get to the point where we can do it and he also gets the flu or something it wasn't covid but he got something he was dead for two weeks so then i show up it's close to christmas we're gonna we're gonna record we have a fire pit it's nice it's warm and then he's like you know i'm just not i'm not in to do this tonight and i I was like okay fine so then we <laughs> we go another week, week and a half, and I'm like, hey, we need to do it. He's like, well, I got exposed to somebody else that had COVID or that was exposed to somebody that had COVID. So I was like, okay. Well, then he was like, let's do it this week. And then he was like, no, I can't do it. So we'll do it. Uh, What's today? Today is the... Well, like, we'll do it Monday. Okay, your time is up. Now, um, now I'm putting six minutes on the clock for my rebuttal. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. So... <laughs> fair. Uh... I was deathly sick. It was not COVID and it was not in the flu. Allegedly. We don't know what it was. I didn't move for an entire week, nor did I eat. I was looking fit and my back fat was gone. But guess what? I've been eating in this back. back. Uh, number two, you added at least four COVID exposures in there that never happened. I and could then, name at least whoa, whoa, whoa. four COVID exposures you have had. It's been like one and a half. I can name people. I okay, well, we're, we're not going to do that. <laughs> and then, I, and the other thing I would like to say in my favor is that we did record a really unfortunately bad mini episode. Yeah, for Christmas. And then Colin left me out in the cold for an hour. And when he came back, I was not feeling it. And the thing is, is I think that you guys, should, wait, this is my six minutes, Colin. Go ahead. I think that y'all should all just be grateful that 
we didn't record an episode that night because I think it would have been boring. It probably would have been pretty rough. I think it would have been bad. But I'm well, really feeling the spirit of, um, I'm not going to say of 2021 because that's stupid. I'm feeling renewed as a person, not because of the new year, because guess what? New Year's Day and New Year's Eve, same situation. All right? That was not six minutes. That was just another minute and 15 seconds. Well, but boy, have some I'm things changed since the last time we talked to you. How guys. about you? <laughs> uh, so I have been in a great season of waiting. <laughs> a great season of waiting. Yeah. So, as some of y'all might know, I couldn't keep working at Cotton Hall because of COVID. Um, just because there's stuff, and like, if you want to support Cotton Hall, go support Cotton Hall because we got to keep her open. But they weren't able to keep me on. As a worker, so I didn't know we we're going here. I have been I'm unprepared, literally jobless since December twelfth, and it has been the longest time I think I've been by myself all day, every day in my entire life. Has that been good for you, though? I think it has. And how? How do you feel like you have grown from your lonesomeness? Or a loneliness. I shouldn't say lonesome. Maybe you weren't lonesome. Very good. So here's something that has plagued me my whole life. My brain never stops. Uh-huh. Like when I get somewhere, like if it's quiet, my brain just doesn't stop. It just thinks and thinks and thinks. I don't know if it's ADD or what it is, but it never stops. I'm always thinking about some weird stuff or like anxiety ridden stuff. And over the past month, I literally can sit down and think of nothing. Like, I can get in this, like, zen state where nothing is going on in yeah, my head. Yeah, but now the challenge is going to be, can you do that in a real-life situation? I think so. Is your mind racing right now? No. <laughs> I feel a lot more chipper, the second, I guess. The second that Colin walked back into my house, all of my stomach problems came back. So, I'm just saying that my well, indigestion is his there. fault. <laughs> no, um, like, I've been going to Hobby Lobby and getting stuff for my house and, like, I do realize that, like, when you're at your house that long and you, like, actually live by yourself now, you get bored a lot easier. But me being me, I used to think that I was a yes man for other people, but I'm also a yes man for myself. Because, like, one morning I woke up at 8 o'clock and I was like, you know you're not going to go to sleep. Let's just go to Dothan. And I was like, yeah, good idea. So I just got in the car, like, took a shower and got in the car and went to Dothan and literally just did nothing in Dothan. (laughs) Like, well, I look. drove around and, like, went to GameStop and went to Best Buy and just perused. And then I left. Before or after Christmas? This was after Christmas. Yeah. And I felt like like I had done something that day, even though I did nothing. It felt great. Did you feel any weight lifted off your shoulders on December 12th? Or did it feel like there was weight put on your shoulders on December 12th? Um, No, because I'm... I'm I'm not I'm not like toting like toot my own horn, but like I can get a job. Like that's I'm not somebody who, when they lose a job, has like a tough time finding work. Like I, I start calling people immediately. Like once I know, and so, and the other thing is, is like me and you specifically, like even maybe more so me. I think we've been having to get like we knew from the time we got back to Cotton Hall after we got laid off the first time that, like, this was no guarantee. Right. Like, we were going to do shows and do them as hard as we could. Well, and that goes for any arts worker in right. the country and probably yeah. the world right now. And it's just something, and I don't, I, I don't think I necessarily knew. 
I would be okay with that. Like, because when you're in like an arts industry, you have to be okay with things either not going your way or something, somebody saying no. So like, it was, I, I it will was, say that I, I don't know when it happened. Maybe it was about October that I had a really, I came to a point where I was really at peace about the fact that if Cotton Hall closed, which I don't want it to, nor do I think it will, that I would be okay. And that if for some reason they had to get rid of me, somebody else would be able to open Cotton Hall back up and it would be okay too. Yeah. And I'm really at peace with that and I hope it doesn't come to that. But I was able to like get there in a way that I was not before. Yeah, so it was like we were already like me and you had already talked about it a lot. So like whenever they told me, I was like, Okay, that's fine. Like we knew it was coming. So like it it kind of felt weird, I guess, like the last couple shows because it was like this was something that I took a huge risk to do. Right. Like, but the thing is, is like I wouldn't have it any other way because I was I was not in a good mental health space working at the other job. So like it was something that had to happen, but it just had it just ha- like happened to be. In the worst time, the of worst the time in recorded history, history of our lifetime. Not in recorded history. To do, but in to our do lifetime, like, yes. to do like an art career, like any kind of arts career. Right. And like that's not to say that I'm not gonna try to do something like that in the future, but like as I see it right now, like I have a job set up. I just have to finish interviews, and then if that works out, then I'll have a steady, stable job that I will have for the foreseeable future like that I will have benefits with if I get it for the foreseeable future. So like whether I want to work on music or write something or do anything, at least I know that I have like a stable financial system right. that will be okay and I'm okay with that. Because I th- I think what I have learned like working at Cotton Hall and especially like being around you is like you don't have to be like in those settings to do those things. Yeah. Like you don't have to work for Disney theatrical to write something great or to, to do something great or to meet great people, you know? Yeah. Like you can, you I can do it from my house. It's just up to me to, to do it. Yeah. So, you gotta, you gotta put it aside the time. Right. And that is kind of, so that's kind of where you ended 2020. Yeah. I ended 20... I, here's, here's what I think really happened with me getting sick. I feel like I took on, not because of somebody else, I did it to myself, but I personally internalized the fact that if anybody in our cast got sick from doing any of our shows that we did, even though we were taking all the precautions we could during this pandemic, if any of the cast members had gotten sick or we had gotten any audience members sick, I felt like it was going to be my fault. And I think I was holding on to that anxiety from the second we started the mural tour play, which was in August, all the way through to the end of the Christmas show on December 12th. And I think that Monday after, I tried to keep busy and keep going because normally when we end a show, my body does kind of dip a little bit. But the next day, I just fell apart. And I could not... I couldn't move or my whole body hurt. I couldn't move or I felt like I was going to puke. I couldn't eat anything because I thought I was like, it felt like if I ate anything, I was going to die. And so I operated like that 
for days and days. It was a solid days. week. This was the week. This was the week after. Right. And, and and it was the week before Christmas. Yeah. So I I drove to Cockwit one day that week. And when I got to Cockwit, I couldn't get out of my car physically. I was like, I can't get out of this car. So I drove straight to the doctor's office, got a COVID test, and it was negative. Um, as as I was starting to get a little bit better, I was able to drive and get another COVID test. It was negative. The flu test was negative. And what I really think it was is like my body, when, when you're operating at that level of stress, I read that your immune system is in overdrive to compensate for that because it thinks something is stressing your body. Yeah. And then when that stress stops, your immune system just plummets. And that's really what I think happened. And so then it took me a whole other week to start feeling better. And then I just felt like weary of like, was it even worth it to put my body through that much to do those plays in the middle of a pandemic? And I still don't think I have a good answer for that because in an honest situation, some of those creative risks we took were very rewarding and some of them were not and so going forward in this new year i'm going to be very mindful of making sure that i'm only saying yes to the things that are not only going to be good for cotton hall but are going to be good for me yeah i definitely would do that also, th- like, for me, for, like, the stuff we did, it's, like, like, I I have not been a part of a ton of Swamp Gravies. I have read a lot of them, and I have watched some of the old ones. But, like, for being, like, in COVID and what we had to deal with, like, I'm, I'm we had Stone's Throw was an idea before COVID, right? Yes, but, frankly, I think without COVID, it would not have been as good as it turned out to be. Right. I and think the feelings that COVID brought out in my brain made that play help. a better play. And I just think, like, if I had to be a part, like, if I had to say that I had a hand in any Swamp Gravy, I would wanted it to be that one. Yeah. Because it felt more like something that I had ideas for. Because... Like it, I don't know. It was just something that danced in my head. Like yeah. I, like once you gave me the the overarching story, like I saw things that could help, you know. And and it felt necessary. Yeah. Even if it wasn't necessary, I mean, the fact of the matter is, we're lucky to get to do plays anyway, ever, because they're not necessary for survival. But I think they're necessary for our the health of our soul art is necessary for our souls and telling that story in that play was just like it felt so necessary even though it was like a story that was so unfamiliar to me as a person right and Um, very i think i think very touch and go with most of our like audience crowd you know like i think a lot of people in the audience have experienced some things that are in a stone's throw, but I don't think, especially here in the South, that they openly talk about those things. No. And, and so to come in, sometimes to come in blind, we tried to let everybody know. No, 
if they if they didn't know, <laughs> no, that if they didn't know what was coming, that was their fault because they did not read the letter they got in their tickets. They didn't listen on the phone. Uh, but, but here's they the didn't thing, look like, at the website. You can. There was a can, trigger warning, guys. I can tell you. I can tell you what a semi hitting a train looks like. But until you see the semi afterward, you really don't know. <laughs> I'm telling you. Here's the thing, guys. A stone's throw <laughs> deals with mental health and. Sp- specifically a family dealing with the grief of losing a child to suicide. Now we worked with, um, I'm not going to name her name because right. I want to call her out, but she sounded we worked cool, with a therapist um, uh, in the area who really, really helped um, craft that shape yeah. the play and make sure that we were that saying things bubble. that were not yeah. dangerous or hurtful to people and, and helped us shape the way that we made that warning so that it was, very blunt and to the point so that we didn't sugarcoat anything. Right. And if somebody saw that show and didn't know that trigger warning, it was either because somebody their in their group it's kept them fault. from it right. or they didn't read the program. It's your fault. No, but, but I, um, I, I am proud of that show. I think it's a good show. I'm and glad. I, I'm glad it was different, you know. I, I'm very glad it was different. I'm glad that it feels like we're going to get to do it again. And hopefully, and honestly, I can't—I wouldn't say this for most shows, but I kind of liked that show having a smaller audience. It's not that I don't want did, the ticket it sales. Feel, it did feel more but, intimate. But and I don't want to give anything away, but there's a moment in that play at the end where having the ability to literally connect one-on-one with every person in that room was like spine chilling. Yeah. But, um, it was juicy, but okay. Now let's, now let's get into, let's get into the, the brutal 2020 questions. You ready? Yeah. What is the one thing that 2020 brought out in you that you didn't like when COVID first, because I feel like tw- the year of 2020 has been a journey of self-discovery for every single person on the planet at this point. Unless they don't want to do that work, in which case yeah. they're they're never going to learn. I just think it like, I've said this to 100 people, but like, I was following COVID from the time it started in China as like little tiny drops because they talked about it on NPR. And at the time I was going to work and I'd listen to NPR for 15 minutes in the morning. Mm -hmm. And like, it just gradually like, Oh, there's a new SARS strain, like a new respiratory infection in China. And now it's spreading and now it's spreading. And like over the course of, um, like, I guess it'd be October, November, December. I was hearing that. And I kept telling the guys at the rehab, like in our small groups, I was telling them, like, like joking around, like, this feels like it's real this time. And, like, it feels like it's the start of, like, an apocalyptic movie. Like, you, like, the movie is about a story, but you hear this in the background the whole time until it happens. Mm -hmm. And so, when we got back from New York, and then January hit, and, like, Australia's burning down, like, there are rumors of wars with Iraq again because of this guy. And then, like, you get into February and Kobe Bryant dies. And, like, as much as people want to say, like, oh, celebrities don't make a difference, like, that was somebody that died that I think shook the world, you know? 
But then <clears throat> for COVID to finally hit in the U.S. and to start spreading like it did, like our – like I'm not going to get political with it, but like our media and like social media, I don't think anybody can argue that the fact that like rage and fear and hate and hysteria is what social media and media runs on 24-7 nowadays. Yeah. Like there is no positive – and that might be a glimmer of positive stuff, you know. Not on Facebook. But, like, well, that, that. But, like, even when there is good stuff, like, about a vaccine or something, like, you still have the negative come out about it. So, like, my first, like, our first, I would say month, month and a half, up until the summer, I think, because it kind of staved off in the summer. But, like, right before the summer, like, I was, like, an anxiety-ridden wreck. Like I, if I thought before the summer, what do you mean? It started in March. That's what I'm saying. Okay. The first three weeks of COVID and up until the summer. Okay. <laughs> no, up until the summer, like I started the job and then we did one week of shows and then we stopped doing shows. And then we literally just oh, came to work and insane. sat and called people for weeks. And like, I would read stuff on the internet about, like, how this was going to be the end. Like, this disease is going to kill all of us. And then, like, even through, like, the small stuff that was good, like, well, it's really not killing, like, it's not killing, like, apocalyptic numbers of people. Like, it is killing a lot of people, and it's a terrible thing. But, like, this is something that is just going to be, like, and so by the summer, and I'm talking about anxiety, like, like, panic attacks, like, I went over to my parents' house one night and just stayed at their house because, like, I just couldn't feel safe. Like, I I didn't feel safe anywhere. I felt like any person I got in contact with, I was going to catch it, and either I was going to die or somebody in my family was going to die. And I think there's a lot of people who have dealt with that. But I think, like, by the time the summer hit, as bad as it sounds, like, you just get so used to living with something that you start to – it's, like – the fear in that thing starts to go away because you're not immediately seeing the effects of it. Like there have been people in my life who have gotten COVID or I've seen people that have gotten COVID, but like, as far as I'm concerned, I got to a point where I was like, I can't just keep going on crippling and crippling anxiety over this because I'm not going to get anything out of it because the bottom line is a, I could lose my job at any moment. And no matter what I think or do, the arts or anything to do with the arts, I will not be able to do until COVID is over or until we're on the back half of COVID. Like, nothing will happen like that. And to even think you can, like, get a job at, like, a well-known company or do whatever, that will be hard work for people who want a job in that because it's going to take a while. And so the reality of it was is, like, I just said, there's nothing I can do about this. And it kind of takes me back to my my time at working at the rehab with those guys. And, like, you learn that, like, you can't worry about the things that you can't change. Because there's, like, like, it's like that bubble. If you have a problem and there is something you can do about it, then why are you worried about it? And if you have something that's wrong and you can't do anything about it, then why are you worried about it? So, like, the thing is, is, like, this is a virus. There's nothing I can do about it. So, like, why worry about it? And so I got to that point and just started living safely 
And I was I, about to say, I think that's I think that is a little too dangerous to say too. What? The why worry about it? I think you should be a little worried about it, just because even there are a lot of people who are still surviving, but the the lasting effects on their respiratory system are real and bad. So you should still worry about it a little bit. You just shouldn't let it destroy you. Well, like there's a Broadway composer who is like six months past having COVID and he still can't breathe. And half of his job is singing the songs that he writes. You know what I'm saying? That's not okay. And he doesn't know when he's going to be okay. I guess, but like, I don't, I guess my thing would be like, be concerned about it. Don't be worried about it. Like you, you either find a way to to live with it or to fix it, or yeah, but that's still I still am gonna do everything I can to not get COVID, because well, I'll tell you no, this. No, that's what I'm saying. After being like, sick for that week, no, you're I missing the point. I will not survive if I get sick you're again. You're missing the My point. My mental health will decline so that I will just lay down and die. Like I got like you get to a point where you're like, why am I worried about this? Well, I don't want to get it and I don't want to die. Or I don't want to give it to a family member and I don't want to die. So what are the things you can do to prevent that? You wear a mask when you go places. You don't go around a bunch of people. So, like, why should I worry about that? Because I know exactly what I need to do not to get it. And even then, you might still get it. Right. But that's the part where it's like if you can't do anything about it, then don't worry about it. Do what you can. And yeah, but that's the problem is too many people are not doing what they can. Well, that's a whole other issue that I don't think we, <laughs> that we don't have to get into. Um. But... And then, so like, so really, the anxiety is what yeah twenty twenty got brought to. And it, I, I mean, I was at the point I definitely could have gone to the doctor about it, but like going to a doctor's office at that point just was not. It just seems you should go. Asinine. I know, but you should go when it's not at that point, so that if your anxiety gets back to that yeah. point, you're okay. Right. I just got a, a voicemail that it's time for my MRI to check up. <laughs> And I'm like, this is not the time to have to go get in the MRI machine at a hospital. Yeah. Yikes. Probably not. Um, I would say that for me, the the thing that, that this has brought up for me that I really didn't like, I'm gonna there were two things really, but I'm just gonna stick to one. Once I realized that if I got sick at any point between October and the end of December that that meant a show was canceled and any of those shows being canceled would mean that we would lose revenue and Cotton Hall would probably close. I became a fanatic about wearing my mask. And that's not the part that is is troublesome. But with every day from the end of Swamp Gravy until Christmas... Instead of my anxiety getting less and less because we were closer to the finishing line, it was like I got more and more stressed and I became a very, very angry person. Mine was the complete opposite. <laughs> my, but here's the thing with Swamp Gravy. Yeah. Every day closer to the to the end, the closing night of Swamp Gravy, even though closing a show always makes me sad, it was like the closer we got, the more relief I felt because it was like three more audiences that, that – that there's three more audiences pr- to protect, two more audiences to protect, one more audience to protect. But with Christmas, something was different. And the two Christmas shows, it was like I just got so much more interior. I couldn't communicate my ideas to people. 
I couldn't, I didn't feel like people were being as cautious and taking things as seriously as they were during Swamp Gravy. So I felt like there were people who were putting the show at risk. And it just got to the point where I didn't feel like anybody was on my team. And looking back, I know that that was false, but it was all that I could see. I think and it ended with me being. So basically, the year ended with me being just terrible to people. And I wasn't. I wouldn't say that I was like, like people would be like, "Oh, I'm never talking to him again." Right. But but I couldn't. The level of joy I would allow myself to feel was minuscule compared to what it should have been. I think it was a lot of weight. I think more so for you just because you've been there longer. But I feel like it was a lot of weight to try to navigate COVID when in the back of mine, in your head, this was like a last-ditch effort. Well, and frankly... And I don't don't think a lot of people felt that way. Yeah. I feel like me and you were the main ones that felt like this was the last effort. No, I do do think that... I don't think that people really understood how dire it was. Right. Um, And is... But yes, but totally I do is. think that you know I was really, it was really impor- important to me in the end. Once we figured out this pattern that allowed us to do these shows in a way that felt safe, it was really important to me to give opportunities for some of our kids to come back. And I do think that that was, in retrospect, a mistake, not because it it led to anything bad happening, but I think that was a a large stressor was having kids in the building. Not because not that we don't like kids. It's not no. I, 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 the youth theater shows are always some of my favorite, but I'm really good. Like a lot of people in in the building get really frustrated with kids, and I'm really good at recognizing like, okay, a kid's gonna be a kid. Sometimes they're gonna not be paying attention, but under the stakes that we were operating under, we couldn't afford for somebody to not be paying attention. Yeah, because it was so. It was a matter of being so precise and keeping distance and keeping our masks on to make sure we made it to those opening night and closing night benchmarks. So now that we're looking to 2021, it's like trying to make sure that we're making the right choices that are going to be creatively fulfilling, but also get us to 2022. Right. All right. So now go ahead. I I just think like in whole... 2020 is just one of those years that it's like one of the, like, I think you're about to say something you might need to save. Why? Say it. I just, I think 2020 is one of those years where like, it is like a paradigm shift for the world. Like, I think it should be, but I don't think it will be. I, 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 I really feel like we'll feel the lasting effects of this for years. I don't think that people are going to make the changes they should make. Because for me, and this is like maybe twisted to say, I feel like 2020 has been a very good year for me in that it made me realize the places that I was putting too much effort. It made me realize the places that I wasn't putting enough effort. It shifted a lot of my priorities in a good way. And I think, frankly... 
it should make us realize that the American system of how we operate under busyness and work and what is success are made up and do not work. And these other, there are so many other countries that have a better concept of how the balance between work and life should be. And we've got to get on board or we're just going to crash and burn because we're every person in this country is killing themselves for success, but they're not factoring happiness into that. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I agree. So what was the one, th- what is one thing that 2020 brought you that was super positive? My house. <laughs> All right. The <laughs> no, end. No. Okay. So, well, uh, no, let me, no. So like, I just, I am not somebody who likes physical labor and I'm not afraid to say that mm-hmm. I'm not lazy. I just hate it because that's just all I did in high school was all my jobs were like work, like trim these edges, mow the grass, lift this, move this, wherever I was working, I was always doing like heavy lifting jobs. I feel that I feel the need to note right now. I'm never mowing grass again. Okay. <laughs> because I did that the day before I got sick. Well, that too. I'll come do it. You pay me. Okay. Well, <laughs> well, we'll see if there's we'll any money to pay you goes. with. <laughs> no, but like, I don't building the house for yourself and not hiring somebody to do it. And I've never done this, so if you've had a kid. Don't come at me. They are not the same thing. I'm saying when you put that much work and effort into something and like you live in it for a while, you're like, man, I killed it. I can't believe that. I can't believe it. It's kind of fascinating. Like I never. That knew is. I can promise you I will never build a house. That, That's not on my list. That but it's pretty fascinating. Something that beautiful and that sound as a structure and like yes we had help you know putting the actual like trusses on the roof but like other than that it was me my granddad and my dad and my brother and barry that lives down the street yeah i didn't help i thought about offering to help sometimes but then i would see what y'all were doing i I can't do that like, the amount of knowledge I gained from that one experience that lasted three months. Like, there are days where I'm in my house and I do something because I know how to do it now. Like, simple plumbing. So, simple are you telling me, wait, are you telling me that my dishwasher's been sitting in the kitchen in a box for six months and I you could have done you it? I could put that thing in. When are we doing it? <laughs> I don't know how to turn off the water because there's not a, a water turn off for a thingy in there. There is somewhere. Not in, I, not in it there. It is not in there. outside. Well, that's my, we'll, we'll deal with that house. too. But like, I, I just, I'm always somebody who's like, ugh, when it comes to like physical labor. And this time, I like, my dad sat me down and he was like, hey, he was like, either A or B can happen. He was like, we can build this house, and you just build it. Or he said, we can build this house, and you can listen. Because I'll tell you, when when me and the guy that built our house down here, my dad helped a lot when they built the house on Pioneer Road. Yeah. And he said, I learned more in those four months than I learned any in my life. And I feel like it's the same way. And some of the stuff, like when you're building a house – 
it's kind of like riding a bike. Like once you do it, you kind of know how to do it. So like measuring stuff to put stuff on walls and like lining things up and like no, like I personally know where all the electricity is in my house. So like if I'm going to hang something, I know I can hang it there without having to worry about anything, you know? Yeah. Or like I know where the water pipes are in my house. Like, and so I don't know. There's just days where I wake up and I'm like, daggum, I built this house. Like, and yeah, not, not be cool. that I did it by myself, but like, it's just something that I, I think I'll always take pride with however long I'm in that house. And like, the other thing is like, I really didn't consider myself to like have, I definitely have my own style. Like when you walk in my house, you know that I did it. But like, I didn't know that it could look as uniform as somewhere like Will's house. Like even though Will's house is dirty, but like <laughs> he's got his own quirks. It's messy. It's not dirty. Well, he's got his quirks, like the things that are hanging on the wall and the shelving and the furniture, like it all I think I learned the like to appreciate that everything in a house ha- has a function whether you think it does or not. Yeah. Like there's a reason I have that coffee table. Like there's yeah. a reason my coffee table looks like my bar because we didn't want to buy a coffee table, so we built it out of what was left over from the bar. Like, yeah. There's just things that just make sense now about a house that I never thought made sense before. And I think I appreciate What's your favorite thing in your house? Houses. One. Ooh. I really think it's... <laughs> Is it your Wes Anderson poster? Yeah, I, I think, think it's so. mine, too. <laughs> My Wes Anderson movie posters are Chef's Kiss. I think mine is that clock that doesn't work. Yeah, that's a good piece. I like the the stadium seats. Oh yeah, those are good. But they like, they put uh, a hole in the wall though, so I gotta fix it. They're not really holes; they're just like. But okay, I just really like my living room. Like my living room, I didn't think that the color of the living room and the kitchen was gonna work out as well as it did. Ashley keeps like, there's a table in Ashley's house. And I want it. <laughs> I want it real bad to replace this one. And this one, I don't know where it'll go because I have a, a lot of sentimental attachment to this table that is my coffee table because this is the table that I would sit at as a little kid and draw and paint. And yeah. so there's paint splatters all over the top of it that come from me. But she's got this table that our grandpa found. Ooh. And it's from an old school. So it has little cubby holes underneath it. And, and she, she keeps, want well, she keeps hinting that she's looking for a new table and that she's going to give it to me, but I just don't think it's true. Uh. <laughs> but I am, I am in the market. I'm looking for a new couch. But the thing is, is finding why one, are you looking for a new couch? Because mine is, it looks really sad, and I just put a hole in it. But hole is it is a gash. Okay, <laughs> lots of things, bad things happened when I was sick. Okay, but but the problem with what I want is that it will look good and not feel good. And I want to find one that will do both. Yeah. And I unfortunately, I think that means it's going to cost out of my nose. And well, I just don't have the time or m- funds for that. One of the other things is my bar light. I like design the bar light. I like, said one, Colin. I know, but I thought of another <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, I think my favorite thing that 2020... Here's what I will say. Ratatouille the musical? 20, no. No. <laughs> that, I will say my, that didn't have anything to do with me. That was actually 2021. I think my favorite thing that 2020 gave me was me. That was not in 2020. As a work. Oh, no. Slave. Um, No, because I feel like that made me. I, you got too much of the brunt of my jerkishness in my in my 
my um You're lucky I'm so squishy. Whatever. My whenever I had my rage ball. Um I had more ideas this year. Well for yeah. a project. Like whenever it first started, my brain was just whizzing with ideas. And so I luckily was able to get a lot of them down on paper so I won't lose them. But and hopefully, there's some juicy ones in there too. Yeah, hopefully some of them will become something really cool. And y'all better hope our Christmas movie comes out. Don't that one's gonna be juicy. Why did you say that? Now people know, Colin. They're gonna steal the idea. No, they don't know it. Just hush. Keep your mouth shut. <laughs> and then um, I also I feel like I've been making some positive changes in one area of my life that I'm not really great at, but they're still coming. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Should I get more specific? No. Is that too vague? I just realized that like there are some places with some friendships that I I let become smaller than I should have, and so I'm trying to rectify that. Oh, I thought I was going a completely different direction. Like I needed to cut people out. Oh no. No. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll never see. So, that. okay. 2020 rapid fire. Are you ready? Yeah. I'm going to make these all, uh, I'm making these up off the top of my head, so they might not make any sense. Who's the one person you should have talked to more? <sighs> A name came to your mind. McKay. Who's the one person you should have talked to less? You. <laughs> <laughs> Dang. <laughs> it just got hard. <laughs> What's the one thing you regretted having to buy? New tires. What is the best thing you bought? PlayStation 5. I don't think that's true. That is true. How many hours have you spent on your PlayStation 5 since you got it? You don't want to know. You don't Colin, want to know. Colin. You don't want to know. You can. You need to enjoy it, but you don't need to enjoy it that much. <laughs> um. What's your fate? Have you found any new foods you really like in 2020? Mushrooms. I talked about this the other day. I've hated mushrooms my entire life. And for some reason, like around September, I ate a mushroom somewhere. And I was like, why have I hated this my whole life? And y'all, I swear to God, I ate like a whole, you know, like they come in the little Like carts. a like, little strawberry packet. I, I can eat like a whole thing. And you I cook them? I can cook them so good. What do you do to them? I get some balsamic glaze and some butter, and then you salt them right after. Balsamic vinegar, you've got to be really Not careful vinegar, with. vinegar, glaze. Yeah, but it's made out of different balsamic vinegar, yes? Different. Either way, both anything balsamic, you got to be really careful with, in my opinion. Cause oh, I'm good. It can go really overboard. Um, and I also got a skillet, and I know how to cook a steak in a skillet. Now. What's one thing that you really wish you knew how to cook and you can't get it? Because mine is going to be an Asian stir fry. I can never get the sauce right in that. I can never get it to thicken up the way I want it to. And it's always too sweet. I can't ever cook like like pan sauteed vegetables other than mushrooms. Interesting. Like I always either burn them or undercook them. Oh. And I think it's my utility, and that's why I ask for new pans and a skillet and things for Christmas. Because I think a lot of what, and I can prove that some of that is true. Because, like, if I tried to pan cook a steak, it just never turned out right. And the f- very first time I cooked a steak in that skillet, I was blown away. Cast iron? Yeah. Cast iron 
conducts the heat evenly. Yeah. And so it was beautiful. Um, is your stovetop flat or yeah. is it eyes? It's like it's I really glass top. So my the 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 stove I have here you was here when elements. I get it, but it's got the elements, Swirly and I really elements. don't like it because my pans are always slightly tilted. Well, so see, my pans before I got the new ones were always tilted because all my pans were warped. Well, I, I look forward to, and I mean, it's not going to, I'm letting that oven die before I replace it. Yeah. But I look forward to the day that I replace that and have a flat surface. Okay. I w- I've got a couple more questions before we wrap up. I don't know if I should go to these yet. Let, we'll, we'll talk about, we'll talk, uh, these will be my last ones. So, it's now 2021. The world is going to look pretty much the same for a couple of more months, unfortunately. Very true. At least. But I think we're turn- at a turning point where people are starting to feel a lot more hopeful. Maybe I can say in a different way, I'm feeling a lot more hopeful and excited about what's to come. What is the one thing, not, not a New Year's resolution. I'm not into that. And maybe last year we did New Year's resolutions. We should have listened should to have last listened year's and seen, and seen, and seen if we had. Um, that would have been but, but what is the one thing, maybe maybe the word I should use is intention. What's the intention you want to go into this new year with? Mine just popped into my head. If you're not ready, I can you tell go. mine. I think my intention is connection. I think that I have some social anxiety that that in some ways... There's a part of me that likes to be a little mysterious and for people to not necessarily know what I'm thinking or know me. And so I I think sometimes I hold back from people because it feels a little bit safer. So part of me is that I want to be able to connect with people more. Now, there's some of you listening to this, and I don't want to connect with you. So (laughs) let me come to you. Don't come to me. (laughs) And, and, And that's not just locally, but, like, you know, I have friends in a bunch of different places now. And I want to be more diligent about like touching base with those people and making sure that they're good and like making sure they know what I'm doing and knowing what they're doing and being, a, being able to be a support system for them and vice versa. So I think that's the intention I'm taking with me into, into 2021. I think mine will be, I think I want to be intentional about by the way I act Rather than telling somebody how much I appreciate them and care for them, I want them to know that by how I act with them. You don't think that's already the case? Not with some people. Interesting. I think there are people in my life where if I didn't like actively say how much I care about them, they would think otherwise. Oh, that hit different. You see what I'm saying? Rewording it that way. I think there are a lot of people who don't realize how much I care about them. Right. But but I also, I don't know that there's much that I can do to change that. I think for me there is. I think for me sometimes I can be off-putting to the people that I care about. Because I got this thing where like sometimes if I'm really comfortable with somebody, I won't give them my best. Because I'm like, yeah. you know me. You're, we're going to be together no matter what. So, like... Yeah, yeah, that really sucks. <laughs> <laughs> no, I um, I think my thing is I find a lot of validation for myself 
in myself. So I think a lot of people don't realize how much I care about them because I'm not a person who gives people a lot of validation. Yeah. And it's not because they don't deserve it or that they haven't done great things, but I don't necessarily like that when people try to validate me because I don't, it's not that I don't need it. Everybody wants that, I guess, but some people take it overboard. And for me, and maybe I'm speaking specifically creatively, but in life in general, if I've done something and I'm happy with it and I like it and I'm proud of it, that's all I can do. That's all I can control. Yeah. So I'm, but I'm never going to be able to be a person who gives people a lot of validation. Right. And I don't think that's something that I really am going to be able to change. I think another thing that would be cool to try, and it would be really hard for me, because I I just, y'all know I hate talking on the phone. But like, one of you my You say friends, that, but we talk on the phone pretty yeah, regularly. Well. Is it because I don't give you a choice? <laughs> well, no. Well, the past couple of weeks we hadn't really seen each other that much, so I can validate that. But one of my good okay, but when we were working together every day from ten thirty to nine thirty, well, we had continuing and ideas then we would, on the way home, and then we would talk. We from had to continue way on the way home. Okay, Allegedly. we should have just rode together to work. To be honest, we did sometimes, <laughs> but not enough. We should have just rode together to work because then we could have talked the whole way back. Think about how much money we would have if Zero, we had done that. Spend it somewhere else. No, but one of my good friends, Tyler Milo, he. God bless him. I don't know how he does it, but like he, like on his way to work or like on his way home or like on his way to get food, he literally will call like all of us from college, uh-huh. like all his best friends. And like, like if there was ever somebody who like, I could just be like, this dude cares about me because he calls me every week, sometimes twice a week. Yeah. And like, even if I don't answer, he still calls the next week. So like, if I could be like that with the people in my life, like, I don't know, it'd be different, you know? Because, like, like, if somebody asked me, like, just off the cuff, like, who do you think cares a lot about you? He would be one of the first people on my list because he, like, he calls me and just asks me how I am and what I'm doing. And we talk about life and stuff. Like, and that makes I don't, me feel I don't bad, think, though. Because I don't like think there's a lot of people who still do that just to call people, just to check on them. And I wish I did more of that just to call people and see how they were doing. That makes me feel bad because it's really hard for me to answer people's phone calls and texts sometimes. Well, I think that's a different ball game for you. But it's not It's not because I don't want to. It's A, either I don't know the answer to their question. B, I yeah, well cannot that's mentally that's wrap not, my... That's not, hey, how are you? Like, hey, what's been going on this week? That's, hey, what is this? Why is this? When When do I do this? But, you know? I just need people to give me the benefit of the doubt That's that I'm different. not being a, a jerk hole, but that I'm trying really hard. Yeah, <laughs> sure. <laughs> that's, what, that's what I, I ask. Yeah. So, okay, moving on. Do you have any, I mean, most of all the things that were coming out this year got canceled Next. or postponed or they're on HBO Max, so we're screwed because we don't have a subscription. So, are there any movies... TV shows, books, podcasts, uh, anything like that that really just got you this year that yes. you really love? So, on the book front, I just I, I picked up Dune. 
and I got Ready Player Two, which is the sequel to Ready Player One. And you've read them already? No, I haven't read these. Wait, you're recommending two books you have not read? Yes. <laughs> what are you doing? Because I can. Oh, my read God. Read them with me, folks. Read okay. them with me. Uh, the other thing, podcasts. I think I found so many new podcasts this year. We've talked about Armchair Expert before, but one of the ones that just started that I really enjoy is Smartless with Sean Hayes, Will Arnett, and Jason Bateman. And I, one Here's of them, the thing. I've listened to an episode or two of Smartless, and I think it's really good. I don't think I have the the mental energy to, to commit to it yet. That's fair. But they so like their their thing is that one of them brings on a guest and the other two have no idea who it is. So much fun. And so and like they, so they just ask questions and get do they ask questions to figure out who it is? Or he said once they get there they're like, Hey, it's this person and then they have to like figure out how to make questions. Sometimes there was one that they just right out said who it was. I think it was Kamala Harris. Yeah, they just said who it was because they were not. Get, they were just there to interview her. So here's but like, what I so think Paul would be McCartney funny, shows up. Sean Hayes somehow got Paul McCartney. Yeah. So the other two guys have no idea who it is. So they have to come up with questions on the fly to ask him. Um, and while Sean, the person who brings the guest, is supposed to have two questions, they rarely get to those two questions. Yeah. But like just those three comedic energies in the room. Even like Jason Bateman is so quiet and dry, and Sean Hayes is so loud and like energetic, and then Will Arnett is just so like to the point, humdrum, like deep voice. Like it's just if anybody ever described me as humdrum, I would die. Well, I mean, like you know (laughs) what I'm saying. It's like the tone, the tone, like, and it's just they riff on each other so hard. And when they have other comedians like Maya Rudolph or Will Ferrell, those episodes were great. because like, I would watch anything that has Maya Rudolph the in it. The comedic like, timing that was going on in those episodes was ridiculous. So let me ask you this. So would you say that's your, your podcast for the year? Um, I would say that. I also listen to Play, Watch, Listen, which is a video game podcast about how they make games and story write games and like world build games. Yeah. Um, and it's got... Um, a voice actor, a writer, a composer, and a director for video games. And so, like, I, like it's very interesting. The most I thought I was going to be there for the voice actor because I really like his work in games. Uh-huh. But the guy that has really interested me is, like, how they compose music for video games. Yeah. It's ridiculous. But it's a good one. Play, watch, listen. Um, I have started... Okay, I have a few podcasts that I really like. The first one is one that I know you've listened to, and I truly think that every person between the age of, like, 23 and, like, 40 should listen to this podcast. Oh, here we go. I truly believe <laughs> this. I It it was a paradigm oh, shift for me. <laughs> Monica kidding. and Jess Love Boys. That was great. I think single, dating, Married, I think it could be really good for people who need to explore the things they want and need. That was this year? That was this year. Oh, my God. It started at the end of 2019. Oh, my God. But then most most of their episodes happened in yeah, quarantine. Yeah, because, like, the back half, yes. she's like, so well, we couldn't do stuff because of COVID. It's about like, oh my God. Monica Padman, who's a co-chair, a co- one of the co-anchors um, on Armchair Expert, and their other best friend, Jess, one of them is not necessarily uh, 
romantic enough, and the other one is maybe a little too romantic, and that bleeds into sexual territory as well. Right. But they have these experts in dating and love and therapy and sex on who give them an assignment every week, and both of those people grow so much, and you can take so much from Monica and Jess and apply it to what's going on I, and, and in your body, it's fascinating. Another thing that I would say on Monica and Jess Love Boys is like, it never felt directed at anybody. Like, no, I don't care. I don't care what your I don't care what your view of like sex is. I don't care what your view of relationships are. I don't care what your what your view of love is or should be. Like. They laid it out so simply and so complex at the same time that no matter what you agree with about love, like it literally hits all the bases. Well, another thing it is, is so universal. You you can it was great. You can take what works for you and leave what doesn't because like the experts they have on there range from people who know them really well, right. like Kristen Bell, to people who are like world renowned psychologists like Esther Perel to the millionaire matchmaker <laughs> yeah. and like Podcast this podcaster, um, the podcast host from Savage Love, like their experts are really diverse and interesting. And then the other podcast that has really been lighting me up lately is because I needed a little help with some creative energy. It's called The Spark File with Susan Blackwell and Laura Camion. And basically, what they they do and what their concept is is that every creative person should have some sort of spark file, which could be a journal or a box or a drawer or a filing cabinet, where when you find something interesting about the world, an article, a picture, uh, you know, like some line that somebody says, you write it down, you throw it in the spark file so that whenever you are feeling creatively depleted, you can go back to it. Right. So every episode of their podcast are these two ladies like getting together and telling each other about this really cool thing they found. And then every other episode is called a maker sode where they they find a really interesting creative person and interview them about what sparks them and how their creative process works. Now, that's not going to be for everybody. And here's what my spark is in my spark file is to write a new theme song for the spark file. Oh, can I tell you what? <laughs> interesting. Interesting. That's what my spark I is. I think you should do a cover of their theme song. No, no, no. Rewritten. Well, do it and send it to them. That's what I'm doing. Do it and send it to them. They might (laughs) like it. Maybe they can have a new one each year or something. Um, But those are my podcasts. Book-wise, I read a couple of books this year that I really enjoyed. The one that I'm about to throw out right now is the only one that I can remember specifically I read in the year 2020. And it's because it took me almost the whole year. But it's not because it was boring. It was because I needed to savor it until I couldn't anymore. And then I had to finish it. But I borrowed Michael Newbury's copy. <laughs> Sorry, I'll get it back to you eventually, Michael. Whoops. I finished it now, so it's coming. Um, no, I told her. I, I would text her every couple of weeks and be like, I still am reading. <laughs> um, but is Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil, which is an old book. Like, it came out in the 90s. But it is fascinating because it is it is a non-fiction novel where this man takes these people that he met in the city of savannah and he puts their voices down on paper 
And what unfolds is this incredible murder mystery that is about being Southern and it's about money and it's about sexuality and it's about like class. It was truly one of my favorite books I've ever read. And I think one of absolutely top five books I've ever read that captures a a Southern voice and it does it in such a diverse way because every character in that book is based off of a real person and has such a clear voice. When you read it, you see that person and you know it. Yeah. And I, I was really, I think that's a book that's going to stick with me for a long time. Yeah. Also, it's easy to say, I think this is a book that's going to stick with me for a long time when it is an international bestseller that is one of the most famous books right. ever written. But, <laughs> I really enjoyed it, so maybe give it a try. Yeah. What about movies? Have you seen any? Like, have you watched any movies? Like, here's the thing: I can't even here's, remember okay, what movies so I've we seen. We talked about movies before we started about like what, guys. This year was such a weird, a weird year for movies, and the the fact that I can say I only went to a movie theater once this entire year. I don't know if I went before. Makes me want to stab my. But eyes. in January, February, March, I might have gone more. I, I don't know. I, did. I, I really not, don't know. Like, Star Wars came out in December. We should look up what movies came out in January, February, and March and see if we and went I to And I don't any think movies. I went. Here's my thing. So we went and saw Tenet. Wait, we have a story to tell about Tenet. Okay, well. We were the only two people in the movie theater. Right. Except for the two people who were like four or five rows behind us. Yeah, they came in right at the end of the credits. I had to pee really badly. Right. And I knew that was going to happen because on a long movie where I have popcorn and a Coke, it's always going to happen. And whoo, if it wasn't a movie to leave for a pee I break. know, it's but, a I, dang but I waited. Movie. I, I was like, this is the time. I've got to go right now because it's about to really kick up. So I ran and peed and ran back. Yep. And when I came back in, if there are any children listening, you send them out of the room. Yeah, but when I came back, the two folks seated behind us were horizontal and I didn't look closely because I didn't want to see anything that I didn't want to see but yeah we'll just leave it with let, let's just suffice to say they stayed for about 15 more minutes a lucky guy and gal and then they um left shortly thereafter they probably had to run to CVS to get a well <laughs> oh god <laughs> you gotta back it up you can't you can't leave yes, that in I there can. um it's a new year <laughs> um Anywho, oh, Lord. yeah, it was, but I, I got in, movie. I, did, I, did I tell you when I got back or did I wait until after the movie? No, you definitely told me during the movie. I was like, they don't talk of each other. And then they, they, they left, listen y'all, this is a Chris Nolan movie, known, known for being like cerebral, you have to watch, you have to listen, and not only were they canoodling, canoodling, they I love. Wait, I also need to say I love that for an entire generation of swamp gravy people, I have made the word canoodling <laughs> a part of their everyday yeah. vernacular. Not only were they doing that, but they left in the last thirty minutes of the whole yeah, movie when it was all about to unravel. Right. And I was just like, "Oh my god!" Why it really, you, like, why it really makes you wonder if one of them made the other come, and then the other one. They're like, "Let's go." And they left, and the other one like probably came back the next night by themselves yeah, to find out what happened. Or like with their buddies. Yeah. <laughs> they, they like got their or, or it was on their bucket list to canoodle in a movie theater, and they oh, thought, nobody's going to go see this. We'll go, and yeah. nobody's going to be there, and then we'll just do it. And then they it's got there and like, who are these two dude bros? 
And then they're like, oh, we're just going to canoodle anyway. Huh. Well, more power to them. Needless to say, I enjoyed we the movie. We were all jealous. I enjoyed the movie. I enjoyed my popcorn, my bunch of crunch, and that movie. Your bunch of crunches? I do not call it that. That would be, uh, that's my (laughs) dumb, dumb cousin. (laughs) No, but okay. So here's what I thought. Here's what I thought. While I was sitting here, I was thinking, I would just want to know what movie I enjoyed the most watching this year. And what I came up with was the night that me and you watched A Streetcar Named Desire till one o'clock in the morning. That was it. That that movie holds up. The funnest times. And y'all, that movie was made so long ago, but it is not. And it does not feel like an old movie. No, but it you know what? I credit that to my boy Tennessee Williams. Well, I, that's we fair. still look. It's not fair that we don't have a good movie version of The Glass Menagerie. It's my favorite play of all time. Yeah, and there's not a, a definitive movie version of it, and right. I want it. But that was that. So was okay, the, one since of the we can't really answer the be- our favorite movies, what is the one movie that you mourn the most that got postponed this year? Oh gosh, one. Um, the French Dispatch. Oh, was it supposed to come out this year? Yeah, I kind of thought it was. I kind of thought it was later. Okay, that might be my number one. But yeah. I'm going to say that my the one that popped came into mind for me was really the James Bond movie because me and yeah. my dad were really looking yeah. forward. And to And that was done. It. Yeah, that was like done just sitting. It's just sitting. It was supposed Man. to come out in April. Man. We talked about it on the podcast about how excited me and yeah, Danny were. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, any good TV shows? Um. I did a lot of rewatching this year. I rewatched Shit's Creek because I needed something to kind of cleanse my palate. Ooh, loved the Queen's Gambit miniseries. Yeah, we haven't. You haven't talked about that one. You have you watched it? No. Oh, Colin, it's juicy. Yeah. I, I did, need you to I bump did, back. I did read you don't have thing. to move it to your top of your list, but put it like in two did or it, three. Did you send it to me, or did I just read it? Where like every chess move in the whole movie is like thought out and calculated yeah they're real games they're real games they're not just like moving pieces right and the girl was talking about i listened to a podcast of her speaking and she said before they started filming they sent her a list apparently there's a way that in the in the show you'll see these books of all the different games because there's only so many combinations of what you can do so there are literally books of games that have been played that she studies well, the people around her study, she's kind of a yeah. little bit of a savant about it. Yeah. But she said they sent her these charts of the different games that they would be playing, and she memorized them. And the first game they were filming was one of the Mexico City games when the, when she goes to Mexico City. And the day of filming, they changed which game it oh would be. Oh, my god! And she said, what? She, freaked, she said she freaked out and was like, whoa, 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 I can't do this. I can't do this. I've already learned them this way. So if this is how we're going to do it, somebody needs to come. I need y'all to teach them to me before we do it so they would come in five minutes before show her the game she would memorize it and she was just able to do that because that was incredible i there's no way i could do that they would have to piece that if i was playing that the anybody in the queen's gambit my chess game they would have to piece together of me i could make two moves and then they'd have to tell me what was next (laughs) they'd have to give me i'd have an airpod in this side of my ear and they'd be like (laughs) queen to e6 (laughs) like because i just i don't think that would work for me no but one of the like, I, I can't think of any, like, just, like, really, really good shows I watched. And and that's probably just because I'm blanking. Yeah. But the most recent on my mind that I know I have not talked about on the podcast was The Mandalorian Season 2. And, like, there has been a lot said about these sequel trilogy movies. And 
there's some things I like and there's things that I don't like. But The Mandalorian Season 2 just felt like a love letter to Star Wars fans from Disney. And I I don't want to credit Disney too much because I know that it's Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni. Okay, but D- Disney's writing the checks. <laughs> That's fair. But, like, it just felt And they're like signing off on everything. They Disney made up for the things that I thought were very questionable in those sequels with the second season of The Mandalorian. Like, it felt like it was written by people who knew Star Wars. They had a plan from the beginning, and they did it, and they succeeded tenfold in what they were trying to accomplish. And by the end of that second season, I would put that second season up against the best of the Star Wars movies as as so th- some of the greatest Star Wars material to ever come out. Let me say this. I am not a Star Wars person. I found all this this sequel trilogy to be fine. Right. I enjoyed it. I also just think that people are too precious about it. So I really think that the things that come next that are new extensions of the story and aren't trying to fit into these other puzzle pieces sure. are going to be the better stuff that Disney yeah. makes with it. Yeah. And okay. I, and I, here's another thing. I really think that Disney is about to marvel Star Wars. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they're they're going to be a universe. I mean, they're, they're going. It to already make, is a universe. It is but. a universe, and people do show up in different things. But like, they're about to really like marvel it, and I, and I don't know if that's the wrong decision. Like, I, as no, good as, as they've good made, as they've done, they've with Marvel, made a land for right. it already. They're gonna right. It's gonna be a big web, right? But hopefully, it'll be interesting. But I enjoyed we'll it. So if you're ride. watching Mandalorian. Please watch season two, and I, so, I pray you haven't had it spoiled for you yet. I have a really fun game that we're about to play as our it, our final word. I hate this. It's not it's not bad. Um, Is it long? Because the people are going to want about twenty minutes more. What? Yeah. This has not been a long episode. It's just an hour. This is that's plenty long. No, no, no. We have not been here in a long time. I know, but we don't. We don't. Tammy Lowe does not want she, her ride from work to home is not Tammy much Lowe, longer. Than we this. are catering to your ride. Sorry, right. you have to. Sorry, you saying, only get twelve minutes on the way back. No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. That's our. Go, that's our. That's our time frame. We don't want to bore people. I don't think we are. Go ahead. I, I think we're. Go ahead. I think we're getting to the point where we're about to be. No, we've got changes. Continue. Huh? We've got things in the pipeline. Go ahead. Yeah, but we. I don't want. I don't. Even though talk, we we clearly we, said that in the last new year episode. We've been saying that. I don't want to talk about the changes. We're not, I just want to surprise not, them with. We're just going to do it. Go ahead. Okay. So, what we're going to do to end this episode? Don't make is, me write anything down. No, I'm not going to make you write anything down. Shut up. Hey. Shut up. <laughs> You're making me into an antagonist again. I can feel and, the heat off your Christmas tree from. And here. one of my one of my things going into this tonight was I'm I have. I have this character on this podcast of being the one who always says no and the one who's an antagonist. And I was like, I don't think that's me, so I'm going to stop that. And now here we are all over again. I can pull the worst out so, of you. I have a couple of podcasts that I really love, and all of the really great interviewers have these questions they ask every podcast guest. So we're going to steal. We have no guest, Will. We're going we're gonna to steal their questions oh, okay. for us. We can't steal questions. Yeah, we are. Okay. We're borrowing ahead, them. We'll ahead. give them back. I will send each of these hosts of this show a quarter, except for Oprah, because she doesn't need it. Um, we're going to start with my favorite question from the Spark file that they ask every guest. Colin, 
What is it all for? It's all for other people. Colin, that is literally, literally what came to mind when I asked the question. I didn't say other people. I just said it's all for people. But right. I think that's the same. It's other people. Elaborate. Um, I just think what I took was like, what is everything for that I do? And yeah. I, th- I think it's for other people. Well, I don't think that everything I do is for other people, but I think there is time I for think, me. There well, is time for know, me, but like the, but the think, things that I do out in my life, I think are for other people. Yeah, and it's it, even the things I'm creating, even though I'm creating them for me and because I want to and I like them, it's also because I want to share part of myself with other people. No, anytime I'm, anytime I'm, anytime I put a minuscule amount of time recently into writing music, like it's for me, but it's like. I'm writing it because I want other people to hear it because I want people to understand that there are other people that have dealt with the same things they have. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's Which, in people. a way, I agree with you, and I think that's really great. I think that's I think everything I've written is to try to find the people who who think like me. Yeah. <laughs> but in a way, it's very narcissistic. <laughs> I think it could be, yeah. But it's also really not because you're trying to find that connection. It's all yeah. about connection, man. Right. Okay. Um all right, now we're going to steal a question from Madam Brene Brown from the Unlocking Us podcast. Brene. I'm going to say a sentence, and you got to finish it and don't think too hard about it. Vulnerability is? Strength. Whoa, interesting. My my word was necessary. That too. <laughs> um, def- elaborate on yours. I had, like... Uh, I think it goes back to like growing up in my family. Like I don't think, like nobody was ever like men don't cry, or like, or like if you have a problem, keep it to yourself or go fix it yourself. It was always like talk to us or like bring things to us or other people. Like I was never discouraged from talking about what I what I needed to talk about, even if it was not something that like a boy should like be worried about you know yeah so Um, for me with it being necessary i think what that boils down to is i don't think there's anything worth doing in life that doesn't require vulnerability if you're only ever doing the things that you are confident about and uh, 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 then you're not you're not doing it right no not at all like you're not growing yourself in any way all right this is her second question when you were called to be brave, but you feel fear, what is the first thing you do? Call somebody. Who? And for um, why? Not necessarily who, but for, like, what are you looking for in calling that person? Validation. <laughs> oh, <laughs> trippy. Okay. Like, I think anytime somebody has been like, blah, 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 and initially I'm like, oh, gosh. Like, and fear starts to come up, I either call my dad or my brother or, like, McKay or you or somebody. I I, like, here's what I like, and I think this goes with this. One of my favorite things about life in general is bouncing my ideas (laughs) and and my decision-making off of other people. But does that change your mind? Rarely. (laughs) Okay, so it's really, so that's something that you need to get rid of then. 
Because it's a dummy check. You know, if you know what you're doing, then why do you do that? I do that too. I'm not saying well, that from a place I'm just of judgment. You, that's what I do. <laughs> but here's the thing, guys. I found my. So, I've I've tried to get to a place where when I ask somebody's opinion, it's because I want it and need it, not because I want them to validate my opinion. Sure. I'm not there yet, but I'm, I'm working not. on it. I think it's uh, like um my I my thing is I don't. One of the things I try to work on just daily, this is not like a New Year's thing or like this is just my life. Like Colin has to work on this continuously is not being right about stuff. And I think one of the things, the reason that I call people when things happen like that is because I want them to either agree with me or I want them to validate it so that I'm like, okay, I'm right. I can continue. Whether than just being like, I'm right, let me do this. Or, hey, I might not be right, but this is something I want to do anyway. Does it bother you to be wrong? No, there's a, there's a... I'm wrong all the time. No, there's a beauty in being wrong because I think the thing about... One of the things, this this really struck me. On Play, Watch, Listen, um, Troy Baker is one of the voice actors for a lot of video games. He's very well-renowned. He's a really down-to-earth kind of guy. He he said the beauty about being wrong is that you are now not wrong anymore. Yeah. Because you know. You know, you know the better. answer. So you are no more. You're no longer wrong. Maya Angelou said, when you know better, you do better, baby. Right. So She like, didn't say baby. I added well, that. But she probably just, would. That's something that... She'd probably I, rub your back When I heard it. it, like it was end of December, I was like, I need to be okay with this like and and i will say when i am wrong about something i'm never like like death to me you know like when you think back on 2020 and this is not a Brene brown question this is a wilmer not question do you have any regrets like true regrets i really don't i don't think i do and i don't think 2020 is the year to even like i don't know if i'm allowed to have a regret in 2020 because like well it was 2020 was hard for every single yeah. person. Not not that it was in different ways. Yeah, and some some of that was mental, some of it was emotional, some of it was like people physically struggling. Um, but I don't know how many people this year like were put in situations to make highly regrettable decisions, right? Because we're all kind of stuck. Yeah, but I think I think a lot of people. No, I think a lot of people probably were though because of that. But now let me f- ask a follow-up question. When you look back over the course of your life, because I think we're the type of people who would probably normally say that we don't aren't a person who we aren't people who live with regrets. Everything happens for a reason. But truly, are there any instances in your life that you regret? Yeah. Really. Like, give it a number. Like of importance. Of how many. How many instances? There's only one thing I can think about in my life that I truly think I made the wrong decision. Look, I've made a lot of wrong decisions. I've ha- done a lot of things that I regret or that are are not things are that I would repeat. Are these regrets that you about, think would like change the course of your life regrets? No, not necessarily. I would not change anything. That I would, would say the there's probably. But there's one specific thing that I did. That if I could go back and undo it, no matter what it would change, I'd probably do it. One. I think there's two. Okay. Maybe. Now, Colin, this is a question from Oprah. What are those regrets? In great detail. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I was no. about to say, okay. Oprah would not ask that. 
Yes, she would. No, she wouldn't. Yes, she would. If She's it was like, just me and Oprah, oh, I would tell no her and I cry. I mean, gonna, I, there's like I need to wait like five more years before I talk about it. Okay. <laughs> um. Okay, this question does come from Oprah, and it's it it I think can out- operate today as. Do you eat mayonnaise on your sandwiches? Oprah definitely doesn't. She's on Weight Watchers, dummy. I don't either. No, here's the question. I don't Ready? either, Oprah. What do you know for sure? My answer feels a little bit like a cop-out, but it's the first thing that popped into my head, and but I know it's true. The first thing that popped up with my head is nothing. That you don't know anything for sure? Yeah. Wow. Nobody's ever told her that. Are you sure? I'm positive. They all have one thing. Everybody everybody has things that they hold as put, like immutable truths. You don't have to come up with one. If that is your instinct, that's I what you should that's stick my with. Instinct, nothing. Mine is hanging on that wall right there. And it's the last two lines of another of I don't know why my angel is in my brain today, but it's the last two lines of her poem, The Human Family, and it's we are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. We are more alike, my friends, than we are unalike. And with that, I'm going to come to our last question. And it comes from probably the best podcast I've ever listened to. And it's, Colin, what are your last words? <laughs> uh, let's, uh, let's just go through 2021 and just take it as it is. And let's enjoy the ride of life. And let's just try to make this year better for other people. Because I think we all deserve a better year. My last words are, I will never, ever go through another global pandemic alone. I will definitely be booed up before the next time I have to quarantine for weeks at a time. Um, And I'm really excited to see the different ways in which the people in my life and myself get to grow and change this year and really excited for the roaring 20s that we get to look forward to when everybody gets to leave their house and get buck wild (laughs) (laughs) all right guys see y'all next time